You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. I wanted to talk today about this. I guess you would call it a theory, but it's really just something that I've been thinking about, which is that pre-tribulationalism or the belief in the timing of the rapture, according to a pre-tribber, necessarily leads to wrong conclusions about the end times scenario in general and how it all plays out. And therefore, a pre-tribber is necessarily left with um, no fear of deception in any real way. In fact, they're left with a almost ridiculous version of what the deception of the end times would look like. So let me walk this. Uh, uh, let me walk through this here. It's kind of difficult, so uh, it's kind of a step-by-step process. So first, the end times plays out over a period of seven years, sometimes called the seventieth week of Daniel. Um, we know this because of Daniel 9, etc. So this seven-year period, all the different views on the rapture, they also think that it plays out over a seven-year period. But the question, that uh, the difference that they all have is, when does the day of the Lord start, which is synonymous with the wrath of God, the day of the Lord, when does the day of the Lord, the wrath of God, start in relationship to that seven-year period? Three of the four versions, or let's call uh, the pre-wrath and the mid-trib and the post-trib, and there's different versions of post-trib, but they all fall into the same category. Everybody else believes that the day of the Lord starts after the middle of that seven-year period. So sometime after the abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist sits in the temple and declares himself to be God, starts a persecution that's unlike any other persecution. The Bible calls this period after the midpoint, the Great Tribulation. So... The day of the Lord, according to the vast majority of the rapture positions, happens after the midpoint. Pre-tribbers are unique in that, in two ways. First, they're the only one that thinks that the entire seven-year period is the day of the Lord. And they're also unique in that they don't have a single proof text for that position. I'm taking a little bit of a jab here because it's something that I think is astounding that uh, not only do they not have a place in the Bible to prove that the whole seven years is the wrath of God, they most pre-trippers don't even know that this is something that they need to argue, even though it's like the only thing that they need to prove. And if you really pressed the average pre-tribber, they would probably talk about the Jewish wedding concept. I remember being a tri- pre-tribber and learning about the Jewish wedding thing in an unbiblical version of a Jewish wedding, a story that you have to get told in order to believe pre-tribulationalism. And I didn't know at the time that I was being sort of indoctrinated by this unbiblical story that's literally crucial to me believing that the entire seven years is the wrath of God, despite no evidence and plenty of evidence to the contrary, but I digress. The important part is that they, like all the people that are premillennial that believe that there will be a rapture and a day of the Lord and a seven-year period. Everybody agrees that the rapture happens before the day of the Lord, except for some post-tribbers, but we'll leave them out for now. So everybody believes that the rapture happens before the day of the Lord. And since the pre-tribbers believe that the entire seven years 
is the day of the Lord, pre-tribbers believe that the rapture happens before the seven-year period ever begins. So we know what kicks off the seven-year period, according to scripture. It is the covenant made with many that the Antichrist makes. Some people call it a peace treaty. I don't like that term. I don't think it has anything to do with the peace treaty, but it is a covenant made with many. um, And that's what starts off the the seven-year period. Before that period, we don't really know, certainly from scripture, of what the Antichrist is doing. There's no way to prove that the Antichrist is doing anything before that covenant at the beginning of the seven-year period. It may be that he just comes on the scene at that moment. We're not really sure. I tend to think that he will be known to a certain degree before that, but that's certainly a coming to uh, power prominence. It is, however, not the revealing of the Antichrist. Uh, Some pre-tribbers like to say that, but it is clear that the revealing of the Antichrist is a reference to the abomination of desolation at the midpoint. It's not uh, relevant now, but but it's explicit in 2 Thessalonians 2, as far as my reading of it. But the vast majority of pre-tribbers, when given these two bits of criteria, that is to say that the entire seven-year period is the day of the Lord, and the rapture happens before the day of the Lord, they do what I think is the right thing, which is put the rapture really right before, like days before at max, the, the day of the Lord starts. I believe that, as and most, most pre-rathers would teach, that the rapture and the day of the Lord are back-to-back events. They literally happen on the same day. The rapture happens, the God's people are taken out of the way, and the wrath of God happens on the same day, in the same way that Jesus makes the point that Noah entered the ark on the same day, uh, Lot gets out of uh, Gomorrah on that same day, the wrath of God, I think that's the point of that timing teaching there in the Olivet Discourse. There are some other um, ways to argue that point, but I think it's a good thing. And most pre-tribulationalists that don't know the problems with the precursor theory will argue that as well, although there are a, a growing number of pre-tribbers that will argue that the rapture happens some unknown time before, like many, many years before the seven-year period. And they do that um, because of some problems that develop when you start to show that there are things that are supposed to happen before the day of the Lord. I don't want to get into all that right now, but they do that despite their best interest, and they only do it to sort of deal with some major, major problems in their position. But the vast majority, uh, because of the Olivet Discourse teaching and some other things, recognize that the rapture and the day of the Lord are at least very closely tied chronologically, if not on the same day. I say that to to say that the typical like last day's interpretation of this event in the pre-tribber mindset is that the event of the rapture, which occurs, you know, out of nowhere, we're all looking at a sunny day, nobody's thinking about the Antichrist, then one day the rapture happens and society breaks down as a result of the rapture. So planes fall from the sky, everybody wonders, hey, everything was just normal and now you know, all these people disappeared. What is the problem? Society breaks down because of the rapture in the pre-trib mindset. So this is the seed. This is the first start where their error starts to now influence what they have to do with the rest of the timeline. They have to, because they insist that the rapture can happen at any moment without any precursors, 
and I, if you've seen my film, The Seven Pre-Trib Problems and The Pre-Wrath Rapture, the very first problem is the precursor problem. There are many explicit biblical references of things that have to happen before uh, the rapture, before the day of the Lord. Anyway, uh, and one of those is the sun, moon, and star signs, which happens after the midpoint. And we could go into all the things that pre-rathers know, but, but anyway. So they... They believe that the rapture causes the confusion because everything was normal, everything was going fine, and then the rapture happens and now planes have fallen from the sky and we've got all this confusion. But primarily their confusion is, what do they think that the rest of the people in the world that are left behind, how will they interpret these events? And I want to come back to that. But first, I want to briefly describe my view and uh, to a limited extent the general pre-wrath view of this timeline. Um, so you have the covenant starting, the Antichrist is making this covenant with many. He makes that, which, uh, one of the things that that does certainly is starts the daily sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. So that begins the seven year period. The rapture has not happened in the pre-wrath view at this point. Um, this is where I deviate a little bit from the mainstream pre-wrath and that I think that uh, it's pretty clear that during that three and a half years, he consolidates power by fighting wars with certainly three of the 10 Kings during that time, which I believe are, um, uh, detailed in Daniel 11, 40 through 45 and other places. And then that culminates with the midpoint where, where I believe that is, well, I won't go into what I believe about the midpoint. I'll just say something happens at the midpoint. He sits in the temple, declares himself to be God. And that's when the revelry really starts with evil. The marrying and giving in marriage, pre-churbers interpret that moment as about, you know, everything's going on as normal. You know, we're all just flying planes and having a nice society and then marrying and giving in marriage. But in context, that marrying and giving in marriage must be after the midpoint. And this begins to start to see how their view completely breaks down and, and, and fails to let them even see what's happening here. But there's revelry happening. The, think about this. The Antichrist is being worshipped. We know that there are, they're bringing gifts from all over the world to him to worship him with gold, silver, and precious stones. The, the merchants are making a lot of money. Uh, you know, Jerusalem is a boom town. There is persecution. Yes, people see the persecution because Jesus says, and Daniel makes the point, and Jesus reiterates uh, and gives us more detail about this persecution that happens on those that won't follow the Antichrist. They are definitely not good citizens, and they are killed, and they are, I'm sure, uh, other things, tortured and stuff like that. It's really bad to be a non-follower of the Antichrist after the midpoint, but it's not chaos after the midpoint. It's a good time. The merchants are just, Mystery Babylon is doing pretty good after the midpoint. It's, it's the peak, you know, that's when the Antichrist is given his authority. It starts at the midpoint. It doesn't start at the first three and a half years. His, his time to shine is then. If you think that that is the wrath of God, then you don't understand the day of the Lord. The Lord alone is exalted on the day of the Lord. The Lord wants to make sure when his wrath starts, people are going to hide in the rocks and they're not going to be thinking marrying and giving in marriage when the day of the Lord starts. That's the whole point of that passage. I'm saying that the marrying and giving in marriage and all that stuff that he makes the point of there is that moment after the, the midpoint. The people that are following the Antichrist are doing good. They're marrying and giving in marriage. They're not thinking that they're in trouble. They're killing the Christians, sure. Christians are underground. They're, they're scrambling. They're dying. But they're sort of not a part of society. They're, to say outcast is, is not even uh, uh, the right word. So anyway, 
the point is when the day, when the Antichrist has done all this stuff, he's fought his wars, he has declared himself king, he has forced the world to worship him. There's images of the beasts and and mark of the beast and false prophets and everything happening. They're all having a great old grand old evil revelry time after the midpoint, and at some unknown time that whole thing is cut short. A sun, moon, and star, star sign happens. And at that point, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. We are talking about Luke uh, 21 the other day, about how Luke makes the point that Joel makes and that Isaiah makes and that certainly Revelation 6 makes is that when the world sees this celestial disturbance sign, the sun um, the, and the moon growing dark and this earthquake, everybody knows that it's the wrath of God. I mean, it says in Revelation 6, they hide in themselves in the rocks and, you know, the wrath of God has come. Who can stand against, the, you know, the wrath of the Lamb or whatever it says, which is, by the way, a, a as far as I can tell, a callback to Isaiah, which makes the exact same claim, claim about the day of the Lord, is that when people see the sun, moon, and star sign, which is the herald of the day of the Lord, they all tremble. The, the mighty men hide in rocks because they know it's over. They know, know there's no more marrying and giving a marriage, that God, the Lamb, is going to judge them. And listen, I'm guessing that when Jesus shows up in his kingly glory in the sky, there's not going to be any deception about who this guy is and, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done all that evil. Oh, this wrath that's coming up. If you look at the wrath of God after it starts, the seven the seven trumpets and the, and the bowls and all this stuff, there's no ambiguity. There's no Nobody's questioning whether or not it's God judging them. They're not thinking it's aliens. The point I'm trying to make is that in the pre-trib mindset, because they've made this error of putting the rapture before the covenant, before the covenant, because they have to put it before the seven years, because they believe the whole seven years is the wrath of God, that one thing makes them have to explain the Antichrist's rise to power, his deception, right? Because he deceives the world as a result of the event of the rapture. He explains the rapture through some means. Usually in the modern times, this has really creeped into the UFO concept. In fact, I don't think that uh, people these days that really see UFOs as a big part of the, UFO, uh, of the end times deception have realized that that is a, a pre-trib holdover, you know, because it was always a convenient way to explain something that they never realized they didn't have to explain, which is how is the world going to deal with all these people leaving all of a sudden? And the answer is the world is, that's going to be the last thing on the world's mind when the actual rapture happens, after the midpoint, after that revelry of evil, when Jesus shows up in the clouds and 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 reveals who he is and reveals what he's about to do to all the people who just did all this evil, the last thing in the world that they're going to care about is what happened to all those people and be deceived about that. They're like, oh, okay. They'll know. <laughs> They'll know what it is. And even if they don't know, it's like minimally important if they're deceived by it if because, you know, the wrath of God has just started. But in the pre-trib view, this is, I guess, what I'm trying to say, is that they're convinced, number one, that the deception of the end times is chiefly a result of the event of the rapture, which they believe happens out of nowhere, can happen right now in our very sunny day with literally no Antichrist around and nobody that even could be an Antichrist. So they believe everything that follows immediately after you know, they've concocted this non-biblical version about how that event that they say happens there will cause all the events to take place with their, uh, their, their theory that's unbiblical about how it all happens. And so therefore, if you think about it, they're saying that 
the deception of the end times is chief, chiefly related to the rapture, which, by its very nature, they won't be here for, right? So they can't, number one, it's bad enough to say, there's no possible scenario, in my view, that I could encounter the Antichrist. And that's bad for at least the reason that literally every single church father for the first 300 years of the church believed, that wrote about this issue, believed that the church would encounter the Antichrist, and specifically his, you know, the middle of the, uh, uh, his, the abomination of desolation. So this is a new thing. I know pre-trippers love to say that, uh, you know, this is all in the uh, early church. Please watch my uh, film, The Seven Preacher Problems, and the section on the early church, if you have any questions about that. But it's bad enough that they say that they won't be here for the Antichrist. But to think that the deception of the end times is a result of the rapture now has doubly insulated them from from the from even thinking about it. Number one, they don't have to think about it because they won't be here. That's bad enough. But the other is that they have to believe, they have to come up with their and if they choose to go off script, you know, come up with their own theory about the end times, like everybody is wont to do anyway, they're they're what the problem that they're trying to solve for is what will it be that the world will think that the rapture is and therefore insert theory. So they're they're so off base on trying to figure out what's happening here. They're, they're chasing down stuff they don't even know is irrelevant. So my point on the whole thing is that, you know, we're sitting ducks for the end times deception because the vast majority of the church is not even kind of prepared for it. And it seems to me, my reading of the Olivet Discourse is that's all about a plea to not be deceived by the Antichrist. And a blueprint of how not to be deceived by the Antichrist. And it is not a coincidence, in my opinion, that the modern church has decided to take the Olivet Discourse, the largest and greatest teaching on the end times given by our master, and to throw it in the trash and say, ah, it's not for us. It's like, you don't even have to read that, basically. It's for the Jews or something, I don't know. Whatever it says there, just don't even pay any attention to that. That's not a coincidence. That's the devil. It's obviously the devil. I mean, they've taken the one key that we have, and they've thrown it in the trash, and they've come up with a ridiculous theory that's based off an error that the rapture happens before the seven-year period even begins. Okay, that's it for me today. Um, you can go to my website, Bible Prophecy Talk, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 